All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday morning, 12.15 a.m., as I record this one after the Denver Nuggets lose to the Toronto Raptors. Final score, uh, 127-115, if I'm not mistaken. It's pretty tough. It's a, it's a tough loss. And I was in the building for this one, and it definitely didn't feel like Denver was going to lose until about the uh, seven to eight minute mark, I think, where the bench sort of lost hold of all control. Uh, it's not like they were playing well to that point anyway, but it was a tough performance. It was a really, really tough night for a lot of guys. Um, I'm not here to carry water for anybody. I'm not here to uh, make up excuses. I'm just going to continue to tell it how I see it and continue to tell people that, look, let me start off with this. There is a world where you can have a horrible loss, a bad loss, a no good, awful, rough loss, and also that the sky is not falling, and also that Denver can absolutely make up for this loss if they win an extra game on this road trip, if they had gone one and two on this road trip against Philly, Cleveland, and Washington, I don't think anybody would be like super upset about that, especially if the win was in Washington. If you lost to Cleveland, like Cleveland's been pretty good. If you lose to Philly, I think people are expecting that here in Denver. Now, if you go two and one, it's going to be okay. If you go three and oh, you make up for it completely. You can make up these wins. It's going to be tough. I know it doesn't feel good. Denver had an opportunity tonight to continue to get one against a team in Toronto that was on the second night of a back-to-back that played their guys a lot of minutes. And as it turns out, resting Aaron Gordon, uh, sitting down Zeke Naji, already being without Michael Porter and Jamal Murray, Denver did not have the athleticism and the physicality necessary to match up with the Toronto Raptors. And it's too bad. Like, I don't know what would have changed that. Could they have played Jeff Green and Jamichael Green next to Nikola Jokic down the stretch instead of one of the guards? Maybe. Probably. Should they have done that? I don't know. We've seen how much Denver already struggles when both Jeff and Jamichael are out there. We've seen that Denver, like, it's not just about matching up size for size all the time. It's not just about one decision or the other. It's about playing well. And Denver didn't play well. They, they played poorly defensively tonight. I thought everybody played awfully defensively, and I don't think anybody gets a pass. I do think that there are a lot of people that are criticizing Will Barton a little bit too much. He was just coming off of an injury where he had sat out the previous three games. I definitely think that the Nuggets are in this spot where they've had a lot, a lot of attention paid to them down the stretch here. And they're 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 in a rough spot because you win this game, you're supposed to win this game. You lose this game and everybody comes after you. I don't think it was any one person. And Nikola Jokic said that post game that it wasn't any one person. And I, I tend to agree with him. I think it was pretty much everybody. But let's start with the starters. Let's go to the bench and then I'll give just my general thoughts in the third segment as well. Uh, Beginning with the starters here, Nikola Jokic was very aggressive at the beginning of this game, 
He ended up scoring 26 points, grabbing 10 rebounds, scoring 7 assists, had 2 blocks. It was a good night. 9 of 13 from the field, 8 of 9 from 3. But 13 shots is just not enough. And the Raptors knew that the only way that they were going to stop Nikola Jokic, or at least slow him down, was to not allow him to get the ball in the first place. And they battled with him every single every single time down. He got to the line nine times, so it wasn't like he didn't get the benefit of some calls. But I do think that down the stretch, everybody was swallowing their whistles. They weren't allowing him opportunities to score. And as a result, he didn't fare well with that. And the Nuggets struggled to get him the ball down the stretch. I thought that The decision-making from the starters was not great around him, but I do think that Denver needs to be better and a little bit more schematic, and also Jokic needs to be a little bit more schematic in these situations, that if you're being fronted in the low post and the team is struggling to get you the ball, go get the ball. This isn't about collecting the ball in a place where it's easiest for him to score. He just needs to be able to go get the ball and then figure out a way to work his way down into the paint, back his way down from the perimeter. This is why having a center as the focal point of your offense that needs the ball delivered to him can sometimes be a detriment because teams like Toronto, teams like the Clippers, any team with length basically has given the Nuggets issues. And it's not just the guards. It's not just the forwards. Jokic has a very specific weakness on offense, and it's the arms that can deflect the passes that try to get to him because he doesn't always do a great job of holding people off in the post. People can get around him. If he gets a little bit lazy, if he gets a little bit tired, people can get around him, bat away passes, cause turnovers, credited to other people, and everybody's going to talk about entry passes and how you need to be better on the entry pass. That's fine, but Jokic also needs to receive the ball better. He needs to be better, and he needs to be a leader in those situations. He crumbled. He committed an offensive foul on a flop by Scotty Barnes. Uh, He didn't go and get the ball, and instead kind of let the loss happen. He also needs to bear responsibility. It was a great game for him up until that point. Outside of the fact that he kept closing up short on Precious Achua, Gary Trent Jr., uh, the only three that Gary Trent Jr. hit was on a three where Jokic inexplicably closed out on him short. Uh, And then Pascal Siakam and other guys, like Scotty Barnes didn't really score on him. Scotty Barnes was really scoring on everybody else, not on Jokic, but uh, it's it's just frustrating. Like, Jokic still needs to be that dude. And he wasn't that dude tonight. Pascal Siakam outscored him in the first three quarters, and then Scotty Barnes was just as good as Jokic in the fourth, if not better. Like, this shouldn't be that hard. I know Denver, it's 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 a lot easier to hyper-focus on Jokic because of what the resources are around him. But I do think that other guys deserve some blame. Or other guys, like, they don't deserve all the blame, is what I'm trying to say here. Jokic is not without fault. Also with not out not without fault is Will Barton, uh, who was horrible tonight. Let's just be frank. Will Barton uh, 
team worst minus 12 in a 12-point loss. Uh, everybody else was basically kind of in the range of minus 2 to minus 10. Uh, Davon Reed was a plus 5 in 27 minutes, by the way. I just want to make that known. Um, Will Barton, 16 points on 7 of 13, 2 of 4 from, the f- from 3. Good start. 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 turnovers. Zero steals, zero blocks. The box score looks fine. The box score does not look that bad, but anybody that watched the game knows that this was a horrible game, and it's too bad because he really struggled with the length. He really struggled on the perimeter. He could not get to the lane uh, for much of the game, and most of the time it was his jumper that he had to rely upon, and that was mostly hit, but there were some very key times where it was a miss. And then it was on the defensive end where he's matched up with larger players for most of the night. You've got Scotty Barnes, you've got Pascal Siakam, you've got, uh, he was chasing around Gary Trent Jr. on occasion, but there was also Chris Boucher. And Chris Boucher tonight for the Raptors, he's been on the outs of their rotation for a while now. They don't necessarily want to play him. But tonight he played 30 minutes because he was so damn good. And Chris Boucher finished with 21 points, 13 rebounds, four blocks. And nine of the rebounds came on the offensive end of the floor. And several of them came against Will Barton in the fourth quarter, who had no chance against him. Some of that, like Barton can't control. Some of that is probably on Michael Malone for not trying to get a larger body out there. But he didn't necessarily have a larger body to go to. Like, could he have gone to Jeff and Michael Green at the three and the four, and then Jokic at the five, maybe? But like, that's something the Nuggets have not done before yet this year. So I don't blame him for trying to go to put Will Barton. Like, come on. But Barton was cooked defensively on most of the evening. And then the turnovers for him, especially in the fourth quarter, were just so loud. Just such viscerally awful turnovers. That it's tough. It's tough to defend him on nights like this, where you want him to find an opportunity to get back into the lineup, get a little bit healthy, start to play well, get ramped up for the playoffs so you can play at full strength. But then you have nights like tonight, where it's just so clear that of the starters, he was by far the worst issue, despite the fact that he had 16 points on 13 shots. He needed to be better, and the Nuggets need more from him in situations where the second, third, and fourth best player are all out. It's tough to be in that situation, of course, but he had to step up, and especially if you're going to kind of take the ball away from Monte Morris, who only had six shot attempts tonight, like Barton had to be better. He had to be that guy, and... It just didn't work well down the stretch, and and that's going to – it's going to be a big sticking point for Denver as the season winds down here, I think, because they're going to need somebody on the perimeter to step up, and I think it should be Monte more often than not. But Will, I think, is seen as the better player within that locker room, or as the better scorer especially. So that's going to be an interesting push and pull. Davon Reed. Uh, we got a nice long look at Davon Reed tonight in a situation where he was very uncomfortable. 
Uh, he was guarding Pascal Siakam for most of the night. And I'll just read off Pascal's numbers. 33 points on 12 of 22, 2 of 4 from the 3, 7 of 8 from the line, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, 1 turnover. Pascal was a minus 1 tonight in 36 minutes. So when I say that Davon Reed was not the problem tonight, I do think I'm I'm fairly comfortable saying that. That Pascal was always going to get his. He's been rolling, absolutely killing people over the course of the majority of like his last few weeks. He's been great. He's been fantastic. But he was also a minus one. And the reason why he was a minus one is not necessarily because of anything that Davon Reed did, but I do think that Denver overall, in Pascal Siakam's minutes, they matched him up pretty well. Like sometimes you had Jeff Green switching on to him, sometimes you had Davon, sometimes you had even Austin Rivers was switching on to him a fair amount, or even starting on him. And so did Pascal score? Yes. Did Denver keep pace? Yes. This wasn't the biggest issue of the game. Uh, I do think that we've learned enough about Davon, that he is a 2-3. He is not a 3-4. He is somebody who's supposed to be on the wing. And the fact that Denver has a bunch of guards and wings right now that are healthy, it pushed him to a power forward spot where they decided to have him guard Siakam. I don't know why they're doing it. I have to imagine that it's because they want to save Jeff Green physically They don't necessarily want him on those kinds of matchups, but they also did this with Aaron Gordon in the Sacramento game, right? Where Aaron Gordon's starting at the four, Davon Reed's at the three, but then they have Davon Reed guard Trey Lyles, who's like 6'10", and they have Aaron Gordon guard Harrison Barnes, who's 6'7", 6'8". It's a little bit weird from a sizing perspective that, hey, why was Jeff Green on Scotty Barnes tonight? who absolutely went off and got to the rim ad nauseum? Why is Davon Reed on Pascal Siakam, who was able to overpower him on several occasions tonight and just shoot over the top of him from the dotted line? I don't know the answer. Are they trying to get a larger look at Davon Reed in kind of an uncomfortable position? Maybe. Are they trying to see what they have in him? Maybe. Do I think that I know what they have in him right now? Yeah, I do. I think they have a shooting guard slash small forward who's being asked to do some tough things. And within the grand scheme of Denver's offense, if he was on the floor with Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic, and Davon Reed's playing the two, maybe guarding some point of attack defenders or point of attack scorers, I think that that makes a lot more sense than what they currently have him doing, which is... Uh, trying to be a physical bash beat him up four who kind of switches up and down the lineup a little bit. It didn't make a lot of sense. It, it's more because I think of the personnel that they don't have that they're doing this right now. But it's just very curious why they didn't have Jeff Green on Pascal Siakam from the start. Like that feels like the natural matchup to me. And yet it didn't happen. Jeff Green, uh, the stats don't really do this justice, in my opinion. He 13 points on six of seven. He did shoot one of four from the line, which kind of demonstrates a little bit of lack of focus there, but only two rebounds for Jeff tonight. 
So having him move to the small forward position and maybe try to match up with Chris Boucher down the stretch and, and do some more rebounding, I'm not sure if that was actually going to solve the problem, folks. Like, we can we could sit here and complain about the decision-making all we want, but I, I don't know if moving Jeff Green to the three was going to solve a damn thing for the Raptors. Like, they were just out-muscling Denver. They were They cared more. And Jeff Green, who's 35 and doesn't really care about the regular season that much, who just had a third child uh, like a couple days ago and is currently in the midst of playing for his 11th team, I, I have to imagine that he's on autopilot a little bit right now. And so trying to ask him to do a little bit more of the heavy lifting, I can't imagine that that was the right answer. I also think that it's getting kind of annoying that Jeff Green is on autopilot in situations where Denver needs a win down the stretch. Take that for what you will. And then Monte Morris, as I mentioned, four of six from the field, uh, 9.6 assists, one turnover. He probably should have handled the ball more than he did. It didn't feel like he had as many of the opportunities as he probably should have down the stretch. Whether that's just more because I was viscerally reacting to Will Barton's possessions, I don't know. But I personally think that Denver should have been running Morris Jokic pick and roll down the stretch, just like they did the previous game. And if the Raptors switch it, then you try to get Jokic into good position where he can score. That's all you do. But you should try something different rather than just trying to force feed Jokic in the post. It wasn't working. And it just felt like when it wasn't that, when the, when Morris didn't have the ball, it was Barton who had the ball. And then he would try to get into the paint, try to get into the lane. And uh, he was successful about one out of three times. And it's not a great formula for success either. So look, I know this was a frustrating game. Uh, starters were frustrating. I am a little bit more concerned about the bench. And I'm concerned about DeMarcus Cousins in particular. So when we come back, we're going to have some more negativity and then just really enjoy this, uh, really bask in it, I think, because that's what everybody wants to hear. Uh, but I do have some positives that we could wrap up with in the third segment. So stick around for those. We will be right back. But first, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, where the NCAA tournament is just around the corner and there are some teams that are going to be voted in on Selection Sunday coming up, uh, we are going to see who's in the tournament. And once we know, there are going to be some days of action where the first team is going to tip off on Thursday. You're going to have games all the way through the weekend. It's one of the best weekends of the year. Uh, you've got the round of 64, round of 32. Once you get into that, there's going to be a lot of bets, a lot of props, a lot of ways to make some money. And customers that get in on the action with DraftKings they only have to bet $5 on any team to win, and then you can get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with new same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet $5 on any college hoops team. Get $200 in free bets if they win. That's promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts would be fantastic. Just got a new review in that uh, was was lengthy, and, and I read it, and I was very impressed. Uh, it was nice to, to get that little friendly reminder along with a five-star review. So thank you so much to whoever who submitted that. Thank you very much. All right, let's get into the bench and let's get into the positive real quick because it's going to be real quick. Uh, The only positive on the night was Bones Highland. And I think that there was some good things with Austin Rivers tonight, but for the most part, it was just Bones. And I'm going to go ahead and say that I have previously stated that I do think that he has all-star potential, that I think he has max contract potential. And nights like tonight are a really good... I think they're a really good valuation for what he could be as he continues to progress in this league, as he continues to figure things out. There are some matchups that he struggled with, like matching up any anytime he got switched on to somebody that was bigger, he really struggled with the defensive rebounding aspect as pretty much everybody else does and everybody on the Nuggets did tonight. So he's not the only one. But I do think that everything offensively tonight, he was just very comfortable. 17 points on 6 of 12 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3, made some really impressive threes. And it's one of those things that you sort of forget that the the shot quality that he usually gets is not that great. There were some shots that he attempted tonight that were great. There was a kick out from Boogie Cousins that really worked. Uh, But for the most part, a lot of his shots were self-created, and his ability to get his shot off in those situations is just so, so impressive and such a big deal. He also had seven assists, uh, along with three rebounds, two offensive. And the seven assists are really where we can start to look here. Um, Jamichael Green made three shots. DeMarcus Cousins made one. Austin Rivers made two. Bryn Forbes made three. So assuming that Bryn, or that Bones Highland's assists came to the bench entirely, which I think is true, um, that's seven out of nine. That's seven out of nine of their shots were set up by Bones Highland. That's a lot of shots. And it just goes to show that he had a great matchup tonight that he was able to exploit, and he was able to get into the teeth of the defense, and as well as just kind of make some plays from the perimeter too. He was a weapon all around the floor out there and probably deserved to close, uh, if we're being honest. if if I don't know if Denver would have been able to do this, but Monte Morris, Bones Highland, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green, Nicole Jokic, that's probably what I would have gone with personally in retrospect, but it's hard to do that in the moment, especially when the bench is getting killed and Bones is still a minus seven. But they would have been a minus 27 had he not played the way that he played. Let's get to Boogie Cousins, who huh, I understand that he has a connection to Michael Malone. I understand that there is a a 
very strong desire for Michael Malone to make this work. That he wants to do right by a player that helped him early in his career, get his feet on the ground as a head coach, prove that he could do some great things that that said a lot of great things about Michael Malone and honestly helped him get his job in Denver. This is getting to a point with DeMarcus Cousins that his mentality and his angst and annoyance and sadness on the court is having a negative impact on the bench. When he's not playing well, he drags things down. And it's the it's not just one play because you can, you can look at a variety of different plays with him. First of all, let's go through the numbers. Seven points, one of six from the field, 0 of two from three. Got to the line five times, made all five free throws. I thought he missed one. So I, maybe maybe there's a mistake with the uh, – oh, no, he missed one last game. Um, or he missed three last game. One of six from the field is not good. And he had zero offensive rebounds. Five defensive rebounds probably could have had more based off of where he was parked in the lane for most of the game. He had one assist, one steal, one block, three turnovers was a minus eight. Those are the numbers. He like for all intents and purposes, they're not the worst numbers he's put up. But when I say to you that the effort was not there, you've got to believe me. You've just got to believe me that the requisite effort to get down the court to be able to get back on defense, to extend out into the paint or away from the paint and contest shots was just not there. And there were so many possessions where he either needed to move his feet or needed to be patient enough to not give away his defensive positioning because it just made Toronto's bench so, like they just had it so easy for much of the game. Chris Boucher went off. A lot of it was on the offensive glass. I know that Cousins wasn't always in position on the defensive glass to take advantage of that and to try to get those rebounds, but he was out there for 16 minutes and only collected five. Like He could have done better too. Not saying that other guys couldn't, but he could have done better. Denver got out-rebounded 50 to 39. It's one of the only times in recent memory that I can think of Denver being out-rebounded by double digits. Most of the time, it's because their bench is so small. Boogie is the biggest guy out there. He needs to be better. He absolutely needs to be better. He needs to set an example as a player that isn't going to be messed with. But he continues to make these painful mistakes on both ends of the floor. He continues to put his team in position where it's just kind of frustrating. I'm very frustrated watching the game for the bench unit because they're trying to do some things and then Boogie wants to do his own thing. Also, like he, he always wants the team to be successful. I'm, I'm not trying to say that he isn't. But I do think that when he has an individual mistake or something doesn't go his way, he pouts, he takes it out on the officials, he takes it out on uh, just he like he kind of meanders back on defense most of the time if things don't go his way on the offensive end. There were a lot of things that didn't go his way. He turned the ball over three times and he missed five shots. Most of them, I think I think all of them actually at the rim. So, actually, no. Uh, there were two missed threes, but 
there were some shots at the rim too. Look, Denver shouldn't have to rely on DeMarcus Cousins this much. They should be in a situation where they could stagger Jamal Murray. They could stagger Michael Porter Jr. in these situations. And then the bench unit wouldn't necessarily have to play. Like they could have played Jamichael and Jeff and Michael Porter and Zeke Naji and guys like that, and they would have been fine. But they didn't have that luxury. So you need to be able to count on certain players to give you the right mindsets, to give you the right winning mentality. And I'm just worried about DeMarcus Cousins. I'm worried that they're like, this is just foreshadowing for how teams are going to attack him in the playoffs, how the rest of the season is going to go, and that it's going to just be a painful thing. Now, I could be wrong, and he could bounce back, and that'd be great. But I'm, I'm just, I'm worried. I'm worried, folks. Jamichael Green had two defensive rebounds tonight uh, in 20 minutes, six points, three rebounds total, one offensive. Uh, three of six from the field, 0 of one from three. Continues to uh, kind of go through a dry spell here on the three-pointers again. Zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, or one block. He had one block, but he also had another two turnovers and four fouls. So, look, he's he's been very good for a long stretch. And despite the fact that his three-pointer hasn't got in enough this year, He's been better as a four than he has as a five, but one of the things that you want from him as a four is that when he is in position to get some rebounds, he needs to be able to get those. And in the lineups that the Raptors were running, he wasn't able to make the defensive impact that they needed him to make. He was just out-rebounded, out-jumped, out-muscled, and that doesn't feel good. That can't feel good. So hopefully that changes next game. Bryn Forbes, um, three of six from the field, two of five from three, eight points, two rebounds. Uh, he was matched up with Chris Boucher for a lot of the night. And that's like, that's just unfair to him to put him into that position to do that. Um, Denver's running three guards and two bigs as their bench unit because they have to. Not necessarily because they want to against the Raptors, but because they have to. And it just didn't work. And one of those guards had to guard somebody a little bit bigger. And most of the time it was Austin Rivers, but one of the times, and not not just one, several of the times it was Bryn Forbes. And look, he's just not going to be able to match up at six foot one, six foot two, however tall he is. So it's tough. I I don't know what to tell people. Like that isn't a Michael Malone's fault kind of issue. It's just that Denver's personnel right now with the healthy players that they do have. Just not going to help defensively. And Austin Rivers, uh, one of the rare times, I think, where there's nobody on the Toronto Raptors for him to guard specifically. They don't have a perimeter playmaker. They had Scotty Barnes, who's a six foot six, 220 pound rookie, who's a little bit too big for Rivers. And they have Pascal Siakam, who's obviously too big for Rivers. So it's too bad. Like Rivers had a couple nice plays, had four assists. Had two threes. It just wasn't his night uh, to be the most impactful. Like they needed, frankly, they needed Jamichael Green and Demarcus Cousins to be great, and those guys were both subpar. And in Demarcus Cousins' case, it turned into terrible. Um, Bones Highland saved the day in a lot of ways, 
this would have been a minus 20 kind of night if he hadn't been as successful as he was. Um, I don't know, man. I think that Denver just needs to get healthy. And we're going to talk about that in the third segment. That's probably the, the most important thing for this Nuggets team if they actually want a chance in the playoffs. We'll be right back. back final segment thank you so much everybody for tuning in i know if if you're here after a loss i i do sympathize with you like this is a tough one to swallow absolutely and for those that don't want to listen i get it i absolutely get it after after one like this but if you're here thank you so much i do genuinely appreciate it all right magic number right now 13 with 14 games to go the minnesota timberwolves they lost to the orlando magic on friday night but they made up for it by beating the Miami Heat on a back-to-back on Saturday night. Was not expecting that. The Heat are frauds. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, And then Denver didn't take advantage. Like, they they had an opportunity against Toronto on the second night of a back-to-back. But the matchups and I think the the physical play was definitely not in Denver's favor. And it just – it was a complete missed opportunity. And it, it sucks. But here's the thing. Aaron Gordon would have made a difference tonight. I think unequivocally, like if you start him and if you're in a situation where you can go back to him with the bench unit when they're struggling, like that feels like a absolute win for the Nuggets for a lot of reasons. Uh, Zeke Naji probably would have made a difference too. Like you could play him in place of Austin Rivers tonight where there was nobody really for Austin Rivers to guard. So maybe you go with Zeke Naji, get some more size and some more defensive rebounding capability, also somebody who could hit shots from a zone. Vlako Chanchar, like we haven't talked about Vlako in a hot minute. He would have made a difference because he would have been a good playmaker in a zone capacity, somebody who could be a good cutter, a good screener, and probably would have made a difference tonight. Michael Porter would have made a difference tonight, breaking the zone by hitting threes over people that can't contest him. And also just being able to cut and being able to be in the Jokic offense where he can deliver those passes. He can deliver those passes to Jokic just as well, if not better, than a player like Will Barton can. Because Porter, if, if they sag off of him, then then he's going to hit a three. And obviously Jamal Murray. Like If you're thinking about how to break a zone, the first thing that you have to do is to get it into the middle of the floor. And one of the ways to do, to do that is with a playmaking guard. And Jamal would have absolutely been helpful in that situation. And he probably just would have had a better night than Will Barton did. So, look, I could go on and on. But when you sit back and look at it, Denver's missing their second, third, and fourth best players. They're missing one of their top prospects. They're missing a bench player who would have been good for this situation. Like, Come on, guys. Like this is this is just not the worst thing in the world to overreact to. Like, could I, could they have been better? Sure. Could they have won? Sure. Were they severely undermanned to match up with these lengthy athletes on the Toronto Raptors side? Absolutely. Could Michael Malone have done better? Maybe. I think that he probably could have gotten Jokic back in a little bit sooner. 
Here's what I will say to that. The reason why Jokic didn't come back into the game sooner, he got back in at around the 624 mark, I'm pretty sure. At about the eight-minute mark, he got up from the bench and walked over to the source to the scorer's table. He was going to check in. And then play didn't stop for another minute and a half where he wanted to get onto the court. Obviously, he was sitting there ready to go. But the way that the lineups and the – not lineups, the way that the game was flowing, the Raptors were just scoring. Denver had already called all but two timeouts. Michael Malone wanted to save that second to last timeout for obvious reasons. Um, he also wanted to the, save the ability to challenge, which means you have to have a, a timeout to be able to challenge. And you have to probably have a timeout to make sure you can advance the ball up the floor in a late game situation. So do I blame Michael Malone for not calling a timeout? No, absolutely not. And yet he still probably should have, because once you get to that point, or if not that, just just foul, like intentionally foul somebody on the Toronto side to make sure to stop the clock. Because DeMarcus was a mess, like just a complete mess tonight and needed to come out of the game and Jokic needed to get back in. So if Jokic gets back in at the eight minute mark, as opposed to 624, maybe this game is different. Maybe it's not, but maybe it is. So we'll never know. Look, the one overarching thing that I'm going to continue to emphasize, Denver's just got to get healthy. We're not going to know what the capabilities of this team are until Jamal Murray comes back, until Michael Porter comes back. Uh, even until Aaron Gordon gets back and gets healthy. I think that Aaron Gordon, he missed tonight so that he could play against Philly. That is my take. I think he probably could have played tonight if they wanted him to. They decided to sit him. They were hoping to get a win against a bad team. Not a bad team, a, a less good team. And they got burned. And it happens. It happens to everybody, folks. Like This isn't just a Denver thing. But Denver's got to get healthy because there are 14 games left to go. You've got this upcoming three-game road trip, and the weaknesses in Denver's roster are very apparent when you take away the second, third, and fourth best players pretty consistently. So when you get into that position, it's not just going to be the players that you miss. It's going to be fatigue because Jokic is going to get tired. Barton's going to get tired again. Monte Morris has carried the team a long way. He's going to get tired. Bones, Rivers, Bryn, DeMarcus Cousins, Jermichael Green. These guys are playing every night. They're definitely they're definitely tired. Maybe not Bones, because he's a rookie. He's young. He'll be able to do it. Energizer bunny type. I also think the rust will be a factor for Barton. I think it was a factor for Barton tonight, where you have to come back and you play against these lengthy, incredible 100th percentile athletes in Toronto. That's tough. That's a tough uh, matchup for him. It'll be easier as it goes along, but that's how you kick off rust, is you got to start off with the rusty game. It'll also be a factor if and when Denver's other guys come back, like Michael Porter's going to have to kick off rust. Jamal Murray will have to kick off plenty of rust. And it's going to be a process, for sure. But you've got this upcoming road trip, and the Nuggets are now in this situation where they probably have to win an extra game. Like, you're probably hoping for two and one. You should probably now be shooting for 3-0 and if you're Denver, which means you've got to show up against Philly. Just got to. 
I don't really expect them to win that game. I think that Joel Embiid is going to be very motivated for that one. James Harden will be very motivated for that one. Or maybe he won't. We'll just have to see. Um, but Matisse Dybul will give Will Barton and Monte Morris some issues. You'll have uh, some of the bench guys like George's Niang will probably shoot the shit out of the ball. Uh, you've got other folks that will absolutely cook Denver's defense if they don't move and if they don't get moving. But Denver's going to have to be good. They're going to have to figure it out. And if they were to win against Philly, it would be the best win of the year automatically for a number of reasons, not least of which is, of course, the MVP narratives and the ramifications of that. But if it's Washington, they go to Washington immediately after Philly. Could be a letdown spot. You can't let down against Washington now at all. Washington just lost to the Portland Trailblazers. They let Josh Hart go for 44 against them. Denver needs to win that game against Washington. They need to take care of business. And if they don't, then you could be concerned. And then Cleveland. Cleveland's been banged up, and they've come back down to earth after really starting off the year well. They've lost a lot of the mojo that they had going for them early in the year. They are a tougher matchup than Washington, but that still should be a game that if Denver has a mostly healthy roster, minus Murray and Porter, of course, then they should win that game. Denver should win that game. So, I will predict 2-1. and one. I will predict that Denver will get two of the three. Whether they get the win in Philly, I don't think they're going to, but if they do, I, let's just say that they have a letdown game after that. But I think 2-1 and one is a pretty safe outcome for where Denver is at, what they need. Uh, and that's probably what you're going to expect. But here's the thing. Minnesota's schedule is very difficult, and I know that everybody feels like Minnesota's right on Denver's heels, and they are. Like they, they are in a position where they have an avenue where they could absolutely make up some of these games, but here's what their schedule looks like for the upcoming eight games. They're at San Antonio, home against Los Angeles Lakers, home against the Bucks, at the Mavericks, home against the Suns. Home against the Mavericks, at the Celtics, at Toronto, at Denver, and then they finish that road trip at Houston, which they'll win that game. But that is a lot of games in a row where Minnesota may not even be the favorite. Like they might be the underdog in a lot of those games. And we just saw against Toronto. Like you don't think that Toronto's going to give Minnesota the same issues that they just gave Denver? Of course they will. Of course they will. Minnesota's not going 10-0 in that stretch. They might go 5-5. They'll probably go about 6-4, maybe 7-3. But you're still going to get some losses out of them in that stretch. If they go, let's say 5-5, then that reduces the magic number down to 8. And then Denver only needs to win 8 of their next 14 games. I think that Denver's still okay to get the six seed. I think that they're going to be fine. Everybody's overreacting to this one game. You've got to make it up somewhere else. And Denver has shown the ability to do that. But they didn't have Aaron Gordon for it tonight. Will Barton struggled. Nicole Jokic struggled down the stretch. That's how it is. Sometimes that's all it is. 
And it doesn't need to be made into more than that. It doesn't mean that Will Barton needs to get off the team or Michael Malone sucks as a coach or Nikola Jokic isn't the MVP or anything. Like, like all of these things, all those things like are false. But more than one thing can be true where Denver struggles and the sky is not falling. Now, if Denver doesn't get a Michael Porter or Jamal Murray update in the next week of time, then I will be concerned. I said this on Twitter that, look, I would expect Michael Porter to be back, not this coming week, but the following week. That's when I expect him back. Like, Denver's going to be back in town. They're going to be relatively healthy at that point. And I think that you're in a situation where you could get back another guy like that. That would be fantastic. Jamal Murray, it's more ambiguous. And it came out on uh, for Mike Singer's piece that it's more 50-50 with him. It seems like the mental part of the process has really slowed down Jamal at this point because it sounds like that he's more like he's more physically ready. And it's not just about the physical with him. It's more about just the mental hurdles that you need to check for the injury rehab. It's a tough place to be, especially late in the season. So Denver's got a lot of questions to answer. They're not all going to be answered at once, but the sky is not falling. This loss in particular needs to be contextualized and everybody's going to cry that the sky is falling when it's not. I promise. I promise. It's going to be okay, folks. It's going to be okay. Denver wins against Philly on Monday, and you're going to forget about this loss. I promise you that. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. As always, I will be back tomorrow. I have an interview lined up with Brian Toporek, who is a fantastic writer and Philly fan. And we are going to go over the MVP race and what the ramifications are of tomorrow's game. Not tomorrow's, uh, Monday's game. Should be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for that. So make sure to hop in for it. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow.